What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Promenade Merchants Podcast. It's our 67th episode. I'm David Majors, and I am joined once again by my fantastic co-host, Heather Kirby. Heather, we are back, and we're here to talk about Star Trek again. What's up? You know, we we are, and I think, like, we usually take our typical two-week break. I think we needed three weeks this time. Our last episode was a little bit of a downer, so... Uh, I, I, I think we needed three weeks and, and we're back and we're ready and we're excited to talk about Star Trek today, I think. Don't you agree? I agree 100%. We're, we're in a good mood. We're ready to talk about a lot uh, in all three phases, old business, new and upcoming. And I, I think that this is going to be a good, good episode. So let's just jump in with old business. Now, if you're new to the podcast, first of all, thank you for listening. Hi, I'm David. That's Heather. We like to talk about Star Trek here. We sometimes go other places, too, but that's okay. We usually bring it back to Star Trek. Uh, and we start with old business, which is, as Will Wheaton would call it, legacy Star Trek, where we talk about things from the past. Uh, and, and up to and including the Kelvin movies. Uh, new business is the next phase where we talk about what's happening with Star Trek currently in the current era. So we'll be talking a lot about Picard later on. And then we talk about upcoming business where we go into the news, notes, and look at what might be coming down the pipeline for Star Trek. And we'll start with old business. And Heather, this was your idea, and I think it was very timely for Picard right now. So, Miss Kirby, you have the con. You know, I, I think it was very timely, and, and we're going to talk about this when we get to new business. But for old business, we're going to discuss, I think, honestly, what, and I know people love Kira. I love Kira. Lots of people love Kira. But I very honestly think that across the board, this character is everyone's favorite Bajoran. I really do. And that would be Ensign Roe Laren from The Next Generation. She made an impact in just the handful of episodes that we saw her in. And she made such an impact in the Star Trek world in general that basically Major Kira on Deep Space Nine was supposed to be her. That character was fashioned after Ro Laren. And the only reason it's not Ro is because Michelle Forbes didn't want to commit to doing being a regular on a TV show. So, I, I, I mean, Ensign Ro has a lasting impact. Uh, just in the few episodes she was in TNG alone. And I think that really speaks a lot to the type of character she is, the type of woman she is, the type of fierce uh, fighter and someone who really stands up for her, for her beliefs. And, and it, it, it's a, it shows how characters like that can really make a, a, an, an impact on the person and on the fans and so much so that we still want to talk about them 30 years later. I think that it was great that she was such a complex character. Uh, she wasn't a typical Starfleet officer. She had her own worldview, her own point of view of things. And she came from a very different place than everyone else. And that 
molded her character and molded her point of view, which made her someone that would challenge these characters that we all have such love and respect for. But it's a good thing to see those characters challenged. And it says a lot about Rolaren as a character that she was able to do that and not really face a lot of flack like some characters would have. And it, it really is just her entire story arc is really, really quite a journey. She survived the Cardassian occupation. She was court-martialed once from Starfleet and was imprisoned and worked her way back up and made her way to the Enterprise. And it really says a lot that Captain Picard really saw a lot in her. But in the end, she follows her own her own worldview, her own ideology, and defected to the Maquis. And it really goes to show that you can have really complex characters in Star Trek. And she was in many ways the first kind of shades of gray character that you would eventually see in Deep Space Nine, which again, it, it you can see that the influence was there with Major Kira, but she was really the first gray character who had her own ideals and really put a face on the Maquis that didn't necessarily make them always as bad guys. They had an ideal. They had something they were fighting for that Roe empathized with. And I think that really was a testament to a great complex character, which was always welcome. Well, and I think you can argue that without Rolaren, like not only would we have had like the gray complex characters that we got in Deep Space Nine, but also the same thing for Voyager. I mean, without Roe and that story about the Maquis, we would I don't think we would have ever had Voyager basically taking an entire ship full of Maquis. And integrating them into Starfleet like that. You know what I mean? So I, I, I feel like without Rose journey and her story and showing like different sides and, and complexity of these very alien relationships, um, we wouldn't have had characters like Kira and Odo and Garrick in Deep Space Nine. We wouldn't have had characters like Chakotay and Bolana and Paris in Voyager. We would never had characters like that without Rolaren. And as we'll talk about later, it's great to see that characters like this can exist in this franchise and exist in this universe. And kudos to Picard and kudos to the brain trust behind Picard for bringing her back, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, I think that this is something that a lot of fans may have hoped for in the back of their minds. Uh, maybe they didn't even realize it, but I think that this is a reward for a lot of longtime legacy Star Trek fans to see Ro Laren again in Picard. 
Well, it, it, absolutely. And uh, I just want to say kudos to them for keeping that surprise. Because <laughs> no one saw that coming. Nobody. <laughs> I know when I was watching, I, for a second, I didn't even realize who it was. Like, I was watching and it was like, wait a second, is that? No, is that? That's Michelle Ford. That's Michelle Forbes. That that's Rolaren. Yeah. My my jaw dropped watching that. I I was that was one hell of a surprise and kudos to them for keeping it cuz I was shocked. And, and we're going to talk about Picard uh in new business, but just real quick, Heather. Uh I know that both of us uh in the beginning uh, were a little mid on Picard in the beginning, but I think so far it's it's kicked up a notch, wouldn't you say? Uh, it it most definitely has. Um, I still have a few reservations, but I really enjoyed the past three episodes: episode three, episode four, episode five. I think we're on to new business now. <laughs> I think we are. <laughs> but yeah. I really enjoyed them, and uh, they did a good job uh, really dealing with the situation that they were in, uh, especially in episode three and four. And, uh, y- you know, I still, I, 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 I can definitely say as much as I came down very hard on Captain Shaw in our last episode. Um I can empathize with him after watching the past three episodes. Um, I can really empathize with him. I still don't particularly like him, but that's okay. We don't all have to like the same characters. No, no, we don't. But uh, I, I, I can empathize with him and his journey, and I think he is starting to realize after working with these guys that he has things he can take away and learn from by working with them. Uh, So I appreciate that part. I think that I do too, because I really waited to make a judgment on Captain Shaw. I, I think that pretty much everyone predicted in his reaction to Jean-Luc Picard in Seven of Nine that he had some kind of real issue with ex-Borg and it pointed to Wolf 359 and lo and behold he ended up being a survivor of Wolf 359 which Locutus of Borg was a part of and he clearly holds resentment towards the Borg and ex-Borg and Does that excuse his attitude? Not entirely, but I do empathize with him and see that he's dealing with a lot of pain and a lot of survivor's guilt. So aside from the chip on his shoulder, I think he's he's probably a decent captain who wants the best for his ship and, and his crew. And having these these guys from the old days on his ship it, it is probably a pain for him 
and he he's not in love with these guys like a lot of people would be and that's still pretty funny i i think that it is very entertaining to see shaw still brushing up against picard and Riker the way that he is it's very entertaining he he's giving them no respect whatsoever he, he's yeah. giving it seems like maybe Riker a little bit just a little but not picard at all yeah i i, I mean i think he's definitely gained respect for Riker um over episode three and four because he would have not put Riker in the position of taking temporary captainship of the ship if he didn't have some sort of respect for him in episode three I I I really don't think he would have done that so he's definitely showed that he has some sort of respect for Riker um I don't think he has a lot of respect for Picard and honestly like I said I'm okay with that my my biggest issue with him is how he treats Seven and you've gotten to see a little bit more of their dynamic over the past two episodes but at the same time like I said I understand he has his reticence towards the Borg after what he went through but I I also read an interview somewhere uh, with Todd Stashwick where he he basically states that in his head, like he chose seven as his first officer. So my questioning in that character choice is that he chose her to still treat her that way. Like I, I have a little bit of an issue with that. Like it 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 would have been better in my head. If it was something like she was assigned to him and it, it wasn't a choice he made and he had to deal with it. I could have reconciled that a little bit better. But the fact that they're going with the idea that he specifically chose her and then still like wants to show his his obvious bias towards her. I, I, I have a little bit of a hard time forgiving him on that front. But I think Seven really showed... Uh, a lot in standing up to him in those two episodes as well. And the one scene that really stuck out to me was in episode four, uh, which we haven't even talked about the changelings yet, mind you. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) But the changeling infiltrator on the Titan um, in episode four, when they were trying to fix the leak so uh the ship couldn't the shrike couldn't track them and uh captain shaw and seven were in the 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 maintenance bay doing that and the changeling comes in as ensign laforge and uh says something to seven along the lines of uh it's me commander and she goes commander who and when Ensign LaForge answers Commander Hansen, boom! She shoots her. And Captain Shaw looks at her and like, how did you know? And she's like, oh, well, Ensign LaForge always calls me Commander Seven out of respect. So I think that was a, a real turning point in their relationship, too, that he realizes that as much as he hates that reference, that using her her chosen name is a sign of respect to her and maybe he should consider that. I think that 
we saw the crew of the Titan uh, in a crisis and including their captain all do a great, great job to come together. Uh, That's including their captain and first officer. And I think that's a great way to build a level of respect between Shaw and Seven. And I think you're right. I think you're right. That might be the beginning of something. But you're right. We haven't even talked about the changelings. (laughs) There are changelings on the Titan. There are changelings on more than just the Titan. (laughs) Starfleet. Start with the changeling on the Titan. Yeah. Go from there. (laughs) Man, what a twist that was. That that came out of nowhere. That that really had me jump back on my couch, just like what changelings, and we we got a, a notice to DS Nine in the Dominion War. The Dominion War is canon. It actually happened. Everybody, we're referencing it. DS Nine is real, and just what a twist. And we find out that. Not only are there changelings on board, we find out later that the changelings now are able to bypass the blood tests and bypass scans to get through. So now they're really hard to find and really hard to detect. And that just adds even more menace and fear to whatever it is they might be planning to go against the Federation. Is it... uh, it, uh, we saw that one person, that one hostage that Rafi and Worf held, that they were enemies of the Federation. And that could be that could be a lot of people. It could be, who knows, it could be a, a rogue group of changelings that have decided to keep fighting after the Dominion War ended. It could be a, a bunch of other species and races rallying against the Federation. It could be a number of things. And... With the changelings now uh, infiltrating the Titan, and as we find out later, infiltrating all of Starfleet, this really adds another level of suspense to the whole thing. I mean, yeah, definitely the amount of suspense and drama across these three episodes, like, ratcheted up, skyrocketing. Uh, The changeling involvement... I mean, clearly, as we saw in episode three and episode four, uh, not only have the changelings infiltrated Starfleet and infiltrated the ship, but they are also behind the people that are the benefactors of the Shrike, you know, and and, and so they're also behind that. And I, I mean... Captain is okay. Question for you: Do you think Captain Vadic is a changeling? No. Okay. No, I do not. Because it it did kind of seem like the like is that one scene in episode four where she like chopped off her hand and then it grew back like that in, in, in order to contact her 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 bosses or whatever. Like, did that not seem sort of changeling ish? It seemed changeling-ish, but it makes me believe she might be under their control, but not necessarily one of them, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, 
I mean, I, I'm not quite sure on that, but, but clearly she's working for them. Clearly she's working for whoever is behind this. Uh, clearly whatever Worf and Rafi are looking into is going to somehow tie into this. Um, by the way, I love the duo of Worf, Worf and Rafi. I, I love I, them. I, I, love I am them. All for it. Okay. Beheadings are on Wednesdays, not on Tuesdays. <laughs> and Worf has a sense of humor now. <laughs> I love them. And I think especially after like the end of episode five, like now we're going to start tying all these threads together. Worf and Rafi are clearly going to come into the fold on the Titan. Um, they're going to be reaching out to the other people they can trust, like Troy, Jordy, etc. And they're going to come into the fold. And we're finally starting to see the threads that have been put out there in the first five episodes tied together and come together in the, the next episode. So I'm really looking forward to that. I have loved seeing what Rafi and Worf have been doing. They beheaded a Ferengi. <laughs> they took over Metallus Four. They had a run-in with a Vulcan gangster <laughs> who had his own twisted logic to say that in a utopia like the Federation, it would only be logical that there'd be organized crime. So he became a gangster, which, okay, I guess... <laughs> And, yeah, they've been really good together. They really, really have. I love Michelle Hurd. I love Rafi. I, I want her in everything in Star Trek forever. And it they've just been fantastic together. And to find out that Roe was their source with Starfleet Intelligence, bringing it all together, bringing it all back, was really, really, really shocking to me. And we get to the twist later on where we find out that Starfleet is compromised. And I really feel like this story is really, really ramping up to be something really, really exciting. We, we we're only halfway through. And I think now we can talk about episode five. Absolutely. Imposters. Wow. What an episode. I feel like we haven't even talked about the nebula yet. We haven't even cleared the nebula because they got out of the nebula. Yeah. They, they were able to escape and they were able to witness the birth of some nebula aliens, which was really cool. And, and, and Riker threw a rock. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> which I love. Which was the best thing ever. But yeah, no, uh, the whole, they're, them finally working together to come up with a solution to get out of the nebula was, I, I think it, it was Star Trek at its, at its purest uh, doing that in episode four. And I loved watching that, like them coming together to find a solution to science their way out of this. Um, that's what Star Trek does so well. And it was a lot of fun to watch. And and it was a lot of, it, it, it was absolutely beautiful 
to watch the birth of these nebula aliens because like I said, that that is also something Star Trek does at its purest. This was something that was dangerous and could have killed them and then turned into something really beautiful. And they all took a moment to stop and appreciate it, which goes back to Starfleet always being about exploration and seeking out new life and new civilizations. And the fact that they took a moment to notice that and remember that really goes to show that the folks behind this season of Picard, they really understand the heart of Star Trek and what Starfleet is meant to be and represent, despite it being compromised by changelings. Absolutely. Now, but yeah, episode five. Imposters. <laughs> Who boy. They get out of the nebula, they make their way back to the Alpha Quadrant, and Captain Shaw has called Starfleet, and Riker and Picard and Seven are about to face the music. And who is there to interrogate them? None other than Commander Ro Laren. Holy crap, Heather. I know that the entire Star Trek fandom did a backflip when that happened. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I mean, I just... As soon as I saw her, because I, I, I've, so I recognized her immediately because I've seen Michelle Forbes in other things um, after TNG, but I was just, ah, <laughs> you know, it's bro. Um, it, it was, it, uh, I think it completely shocked and surprised every single fan that was watching it, but in the best way way because like i said there's so much love for her character and it was incredible to see her again and incredible to have her and picard have this moment where they dealt with their feelings towards each other and how she betrayed him because he was really hurt and and really hurt by what she did and I think in in a certain way, she was really hurt as well. So to watch them like deal with that together was really wonderful to watch. And in this really tense situation where they're not sure if they can trust one another or if they're a changeling or not, like laying those feelings out on the table was their way of knowing that they were who they said they were. And I think that was an interesting spin to put on the situation that really felt right for the two of them. I thought it was really well done. Um, Maybe a little bit rushed. I don't think it would have been out of the realm of possibility to maybe have given row one more episode um but i i think that it was well done for the time that it was done i think the conversation between row and picard was needed it was necessary and it was really well done i think patrick stewart and michelle forbes really put on a great performance between the two of them 
and it was really, really intense. And I think it was needed because Picard felt betrayed and Roe felt like she was in her right. She did something she fought for what she believed in. And that just so happened to go against her commanding officer. And things like that need to be worked out and reconciled. And to a degree, they did. Uh, until they they got back together for a larger goal, for a larger purpose. Which we see that Commander Roe was a part of Starfleet Intelligence and was in fact Worf and Rafi's handler putting together what has been happening because Starfleet has been compromised at the highest level and it's been up to Roe, Rafi, and Worf to find out what has been going on. Yeah, absolutely. Now we're to move this forward. Um, so she explains to Picard what's going on, like tells him, you know, that this is what's happening. I can't trust anyone, things like that. And she's on her shuttle going back to the ship and the changelings beam off and stick a bomb on the shuttle. Now, I want to start this by saying, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, everyone should be well aware that they very clearly fridged Rolaren in order to move their plot forward here. Can we agree on that? Yes, we can agree. I, 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 I'm saying that because I want to go on to say I don't have a huge issue with it, okay? So I, I, I'm not going to sit there and completely tear them down for fridging her in this instance because I believe that her death is not something that will be taken in vain and is something that they will clearly go on to use the information she's gathered in order to help bring down this plot. And it's not something that's entirely in, it, in vain. But looking at it from the outside in, they freaking fridged her. Okay. So this in is one episode. Yeah. This is once again, another example of the Picard writers kind of treating their women characters like shit. I just want to put that out there. I'm not as mad as I was in the last episode when we talked about episode one and two. I'm not as mad because I do believe that that there's it, it wasn't entirely in vain. Okay. Um, I, I feel like Hugh's death <laughs> in season one was more fridge worthy than this one. But it was still clearly a fridging. Just saying. It was. And like I said, I feel like this, they could have had one more episode with Ro, at least. It, it did feel like she just kind of came and went. And that was a bit of a letdown. But I think that she, like in TNG, 
she did a lot with the little she was given. And that's a testament to the character and a testament to Michelle Forbes that a lot of what was done will mean a lot later on. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I completely agree with that. All right. I think we've covered it all. I think, have we? Uh, no. We got one more thing to cover, and that is what the hell is going on in Jack Crusher's brain? Yes, what is going on? I have been scouring the internet, Heather, for any kind of cons- theory as to what this might be. But something in Jack Crusher's head is causing him to see very violent possibilities into what he might be able to do. Uh, He managed to evade and get rid of multiple changelings on the Titan. And he's hearing voices and seeing things and seeing this red veiny thing. That is the door. It's very much like a door, I think, that's opening into something. But Now, Heather, I know I've seen one particular idea making its way across the internet. I don't know how I feel about it. Okay. I'll ask you, what do you think it is? I have no idea. So I want to hear what, because I, I didn't go looking particularly for people's theories so i want to hear what you came up with because i very honestly do not know well the thing that i have seen i'm not necessarily sure i agree with this or or i follow this idea is that there is a possibility that jack crusher is being spoken to by a paw wraith okay now, for those that may not know, the Pa Wraiths were the opposing wormhole entities in Deep Space Nine to the Bajoran Prophets. Uh, they came along in the later seasons and chose Gul Dukat as their emissary, and the finale of DS9 saw Benjamin Sisko and Gul Dukat uh, battling uh, as the emissaries of the Prophets and the Pa Wraiths. Now, this theory that I have seen that Jack Crusher might be being spoken to by a Pa Wraith is an interesting one. Um, In-universe, it might make sense. Uh, Of course, it would be uh, another connection to DS9. It could be another example of an entity that opposes the Federation, like the Changelings. So, to some degree, it could make sense. Uh, but I, I'm not totally sure that I'm in love with that theory just yet. So right now we're still left with this mystery as to what's, what's going on in Jack's head. Yeah, I, I you know, it, it does, the, the theory makes sense to me, but at the same time, like I'm not, I, I I feel like it's a little too simple. I I I I feel like there's more going on to it than that because I I think clearly the reason why the changelings 
want Crusher is because of whatever's going on in his head. So it has something to do with why the changelings want him, why they don't want him dead, why they want him alive. Um, And they would because they traveled through that wormhole multiple times. So they had to have had some sort of connection with the prophets, uh, not necessarily the Paul race, because they were exiled from that space, I believe, right? If I, yes. if I remember correctly. So that's mainly the prophet space is in the wormhole and the Paul race were exiled from that. Um, so it, I, I think it very well could be something along those lines, but I'm not sure if it's that exact theory as to what would fit what's going on. But I'm very interested as to what's going on. I just, I, and, you know, I, I am one of those people, like there's some people who always wants to know the answers to everything. I enjoy not knowing the answers to things and finding oh, I out as agree. I watch. So... I'm glad I don't have the answer to this and I look forward to seeing what the answer ends up being because I think like, especially after episode three, four and five, like we're now at the point where the season's ramping up, the storylines are coming together and we're going to start getting more answers than questions. So I, I have enjoyed the ride so far and I'm still enjoying the ride. Uh, because it's been very satisfying. The action has been satisfying. The writing has been satisfying. The characters have been sa- satisfying. The The sci-fi stuff has been satisfying. And I am okay with not knowing what's going on right now, because I feel like the answer will be satisfying. I completely agree. Yep. We're here for the ride. (laughs) Looking forward to episode six and beyond. So let's jump into upcoming business. And even though we're in a better mood this time around, uh, we're going to end this on kind of a downer for upcoming business. Because the news came out from CBS. It came out during the Star Trek cruise, believe it or not that Star Trek Discovery's fifth season will be pushed to 2024 and it will also be its final season. This is a bummer. This is a big time bummer. I have really enjoyed Star Trek Discovery a great deal. I think it has gotten better with every season. I have grown to really love and appreciate this cast of characters and the people performing. And I think that discovery has really pushed the boundaries of what star Trek can do and what star Trek can become. And I, I wanted more. I was ready for more. And the fact that the next season will be its last is, is a letdown. It's a bummer. I mean, it is. It, I don't even have the words to describe how upset I am. The realistic side of me wants to look at it this way. Um, 
five seasons for a streaming show in this day and age is actually very good. And so they have outlasted many other shows. Um, They have outlasted almost every other original show on Paramount Plus. Uh, I I think the only one that went one season longer was The Good Fight. Six seasons instead of five. Uh, So there's nothing inherently bad about this news um except for the fact that we don't get to see more star trek discovery i i i absolutely love this show so much and i love this cast and crew and these characters and they mean the world to me and i hate to see it go and the only thing i can say is that I sincerely hope they send it off in the right way and we have a a good finale and we feel good about where where we left the show at. As long as they do that, I I, I will be okay. <laughs> eventually. <laughs> I will eventually be okay. <laughs> we'll we'll be okay eventually. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, but for right now, I'm not okay. <laughs> no, neither am I. And Th- This is a letdown. It's a massive letdown. I, I just, I, I just want to say how much I love Discovery. And I can't say that enough. That show has my whole heart. And I love it so much. And I am so thankful that... It exists, and it has been there for five amazing seasons, and I'm so thankful for everything else that just being a fan of Star Trek Discovery brought into my life, and I I can't thank them enough for it. So, um, yeah, it, the news sucks, <laughs> and... I will eventually be okay, but I'm not right now. (laughs) I don't think any of us are because we would not be where we are right now as Star Trek fans if not for Star Trek Discovery, period, point blank. And it was an excellent show. It is an excellent show because it's not done yet. Uh, It was high budget sci-fi modern sci-fi it was sci-fi for everyone which is fucking important that everyone feels like they have a place and it's it's been a great run it really has i I was big on the six seasons in a movie narrative for discovery it's what i wanted um but it's not meant to be but I'm going to appreciate what we had and celebrate it. And I'm going to celebrate it loudly. And for as long as this show is still around, I'm going to loudly celebrate it and praise it. And nothing's going to stop me from doing that because we would not be here right now. Star Trek would not be back if not for Star Trek Discovery. And that's it. 
that that is that is simply it yeah that's it i think we've covered everything we need to cover this episode i think so too all right thanks for listening to this week's promenade merchants podcast everybody you can find us wherever you get your podcasts spotify stitcher apple Podcasts, wherever you can follow heather on twitter at nerdygal33 you can follow me at call me djm i'm on spoutable as well you can follow the podcast at prom trek pod and until next time everybody thank you for listening live long and kick ass